0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast.
1: Hello to the herd. For the next two months, Unbiased Science is conducting a listener survey to help us get to know you, your interests, and what you think of the show. Please support the podcast by taking the short questionnaire at surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash airwave. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback will help us improve Unbiased Science and the sponsors that connect with you. Plus, as a way of saying thank you, you will be entered to win a $500 Amazon gift card. Again, that's surveymonkey.com forward slash R forward slash airwave. Welcome to Unbiased Science, where we bring scientific method to the madness. We're your hosts, Dr. Jessica Steyer and Dr. Andrea Love. And this week, we are going to talk about the latest thing to be vilified that has gone viral on all social media platforms is something that you have to avoid at all costs, otherwise, you're going to die immediately seed oils. So, before we get into that, just really briefly, if you you haven't already tuned into last week's episode. Definitely go back and check that out. We talked about the show The Last of Us and whether the premise of that show could actually happen in real life. Could we turn into zombies? And all this good stuff. And we were joined by the amazing Dr. Neuro. It was a really fun episode. It was.
0: It was fun. And have you watched it yet or still no?
1: <laughs> not yet. Not yet, but it's on my list. I promise. All right. So, we have a lot of ground to cover. So, let's uh let's get into it. So, I'm just gonna read some of the claims that have been circulating, but in a nutshell, critics say that seed oils raise your risk for weight gain, heart issues, and they contain toxins that lead to inflammation. And that word inflammation comes up constantly in the claims against seed oils. And so Andrea, really looking forward to having you really break down what is inflammation, what's real and what's not. So seed oil is a catch-all term for vegetable oils made from seeds seed oils are rich in omega-6 fatty acids and they're typically made through chemical extraction methods after crushing plant seeds and we'll talk about the different extraction methods. I know Andrea you have a lot to say about that but canola, soybean, corn, cottonseed, grape seed, safflower am I saying that right? Sunflower, rice bran, and peanut oils are all considered seed oils. So The claims against seed oils, there are these TikTok videos that have gone viral where wellness gurus and lots of holistic health providers claim that seed oils cause weight gain, heart problems, headaches, brain fog, inflammation, leaky gut, Andrea, your favorite, type two diabetes, and more. And there's actually a hashtag that's gone viral and it's hashtag hateful 8 seed oils or hashtag seed oil free and if you do a search for that hashtag careful because your algorithm might change Um, but you'll, you'll see that there's just this overwhelming amount of articles videos and claims about the toxicity of seed oils and the hateful eight I had to look this up I don't know if you've heard of this Andrea but it refers to an octet of seed oils so specifically canola corn sunflower safflower soy grape seed rice bran and cottonseed. that social media influencers have deemed toxic
0: and it's not it's not just the social media influencers right it's all these wellness websites you know goop and MindBodyGreen green and you know all of these sites and so it's it can be really confusing for the average person right they think that you know they're following this healthful lifestyle pattern that they're consuming you know unsaturated fats as opposed to saturated fats you know following kind of the scheme of the Mediterranean diet you know high in plant-based oil oils and fiber and things like that and then all of a sudden they're inundated with these messages that you know these seed oils that they've been using for cooking and baking and so on are, are now you know suddenly you know killing them or causing illness
1: so do you want to start with the inflammation claim do you want to talk about you know all oils contain fats like the different types of yeah. fats what what makes the most sense
0: yeah so i mean you know w- maybe we can kind of like break it down so so obviously you know this these claims relate to a few different things so the first is kind of the composition of fatty acids that are in these seed oils so i think it's really important to understand that every oil or even animal fats they Contain fats. That's what they are, right? So these are basically you're taking seeds and you're smushing them either using mechanical extraction or um, heat and and chemical extraction. We'll talk a little bit about refined versus unrefined oils later. But these seeds contain fats in them, and so we have to get rid of the husk of the seeds in order to extract the oils and process them. So now you have a bottle of liquid oil to to work with, and you know olive oil, which is another vegetable oil is, is a fruit oil because the oil is extracted from the fruit of the olive, not the seed of the olive. So, you know, that's just a distinction. So, All oils contain a combination of fats. In the context of seed oils, um, there's a particular type of polyunsaturated fats, and we talked about saturated versus unsaturated fats in our carnivore diet, but unsaturated fats are basically carbon and hydrogen chains, so those are the fatty acids, that instead of having every bond occupied by a hydrogen, there are double bonds, meaning they're not fully saturated with hydrogens. So polyunsaturated means there's multiple places where you have these double bonds, and that allows these carbon chains to move um, in slightly different uh, organization. And it also means that they tend to be liquid at room temperature, which is true for these vegetable fats compared to animal fats, which are typically saturated. So this one class of fatty acid are present in higher ratios in seed oils. And these are the omega-6 fatty acids. And I'm sure everybody has heard a lot about omega-3s and omega-6s, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in in a bit. But omega-6 fatty acids just first and foremost are essential. They are necessary- (laughs) for human health. The body cannot make them. We have to consume them in our diet. There's a lot of folks that actually take omega-6 and omega-3 supplements, but in reality, you don't really need to do that if you're eating a balanced diet. I mean, that's kind of our our mantra very broadly. But ultimately, you need omega-6s, you need omega-3s, and we'll talk about that more later. But omega-6s are critical um, in brain function as well as normal cellular growth and development. These are... um, important for hair growth, skin development, maintaining bone structure, skeletal muscle, and they also help regulate metabolism, the immune system, and even the reproductive system. So they're very important. Now, different types of oils have different ratios of omega-6s to omega-3s, as well as other fats like monounsaturated fats and saturated fats. So if you look at the ratio of the omega-6 to omega-3, just in particular, seed oils typically have a higher ratio than some other oils. When you look at things like animal fats, like lard or or beef tallow or butter, they have almost no omega-6s and omega-3s because they're almost all saturated fats. So one example of a omega-6 fatty acid that is found in seed oils is linoleic acid. And linoleic acid is one of these omega-6s and it's Focus of criticism in
1: the seed oil sphere. That's like the center, actually. Yeah. The, that linoleic yeah. acid. I know we're talking about it. Yeah. That it causes inflammation. That's the big claim. So yes. sorry, go on. Yes.
0: No, no, <laughs> no, it's fine. So so before we get into linoleic acid, so basically, yes, the claims are these those omega-6s broadly but linoleic acid specifically all lead to chronic inflammation and chronic inflammation is the root of all of these illnesses you know so so let's tackle the inflammation claim first so inflammation is a very real scientific phenomenon that is related to the immune system now I think we talked about this during the autoimmune protocol diet episode as well as the leaky gut episode and even I think other episodes, but inflammation is essential for survival and it's balanced by anti-inflammatory processes. So when you eat something, every time you eat something, you have to break down that substance into smaller byproducts in order to extract the energy. And when we talk about diet, we talk about calories, but in the context of Physiology, we actually extract ATP, which is the energy source that our cells need for survival. So when we eat protein or sugar or fat or anything, we're going to digest those larger molecules into tiny molecules that ultimately get shuttled into our cellular respiration pathway, which is then broken, it breaks those molecules down into ATP, which is the energy source that our cells need to survive. Anytime we digest something, this is a catabolic process, so you're taking a large molecule and you're breaking it down, we create inflammation because that's a process that creates inflammation. A breakdown process creates inflammation everything you eat creates inflammation in a biological sense because you have to break down things, you create byproducts, and you provide energy source. So you're creating things like free radicals and reactive oxygen species. Now these also, these terms get villainized a lot too, but these are essential for physiology and physiological processes. And so these are going to be normal byproducts of these pathways. So On the flip side, our body is also establishing anti-inflammatory processes to balance this. So every time you eat something, you create this inflammation, this inflammatory process because you're breaking down these molecules. And then as soon as you're done with that digestive process, your body turns it off. So it's this homeostasis where everything is balanced within your body. And unfortunately, this concept of inflammation, which is a real thing that is very tightly regulated in our body, gets co-opted by the wellness industry, because they either misinterpret a study or they're taking something that was done in vitro or an animal, and they extrapolate it to a real-world scenario that doesn't actually exist. So, you know, technically, you could look at any substance of any chemical, of any food product, and find an in vitro study that looks at that molecule in isolation, and it's going to show that inflammation happened. But that's not what actually happens in our body. So this is tightly regulated by our immune system, and we're always producing chemicals that are balancing this response. There's no reason that we should be trying to avoid inflammation. While inflammation can be a hallmark of certain illnesses and disease processes, you also need inflammation in order for your body to function normally.
1: So can we talk about uh, linoleic acid and how it relates to inflammation? Because so when our bodies, when we consume linoleic acid, it gets converted, right? Yes. Into, yes. how do I pronounce this? Arachidonic. Ar- ar- oh God. Aratic- arachidonic. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Thank you. Arachidonic. I like that. All right. And so so the critics of seed oil say that uh, linoleic acid then gets converted to arachidonic acid and that this is the cause of heart disease and chronic inflammation, right?
0: That whole claim is, is really kind of misleading because we actually need arachidonic acid for survival. So arachidonic acid is actually a, a component of our cell membranes. It's part of this, this lipid bilayer, these phospholipids that make up every single cell membrane in your body. So we need arachidonic acid for, for survival. And it's, it's just not appropriate to say that arachidonic acid in isolation is somehow inflammatory because it's a building block of our
1: body. Well, and also it's only a minuscule amount of the linoleic acid that's actually converted. Right, yeah. Arachidonic acid, about 0.2 percent. And and Andrea, as you said, a lot of the studies that have really raised you know concerns about this are pointing to preclinical or in vitro studies. And of course, we know that mice and rats are different than humans, and we're not seeing that same evidence in clinical trials. Right, because
0: what what they're doing in a research study in an in vitro study or a mouse model is they're taking something in isolation and they're looking at a single pathway, but in reality in physiology there are a lot of these different processes happening at the same time and they're always balancing each other out. So, another thing to remember is that linoleic acid is yes metabolized to arachidonic acid, but it's also metabolized to other things. So, there's another byproduct of linoleic acid consumption that's called gamma linoleic acid and that ultimately can also be broken down to arachidonic acid, but gamma-linoleic acid is actually implicated in anti-inflammatory processes. And linoleic acid topically is actually demonstrated for your skin to reduce inflammation and improve skin health. So again, you know, we take, you can't compartmentalize the complexity of the immune system and physiology, just looking at a single compound in isolation. And I think that's a that's an underlying um, issue with, like, a lot of these fake wellness claims.
1: So, so Andrea, you mentioned that linoleic acid is an essential fatty acid, right? So we we need to consume it, but our, you know, because our bodies can't make it itself. Correct. And so cooking oils, like? Seed oils, right, are a major source, but you can also get it from nuts, from seeds, meat, and eggs. You know, when we did some background to to prepare for this episode, there's actually a lot of evidence that shows sort of, it finds the exact opposite of what all these people who are, you know, vilifying seed oils and saying, oh, the linoleic acid is causing inflammation. They actually, many studies have shown that it actually may reduce inflammation and protect against inflammatory disease. So there was an analysis of 30 studies that was published in 2019 that we'll share to our show notes. It was published in the journal uh, Circulation, and scientists found that linoleic acid and arachidonic acid levels did not raise the risk for heart disease, and in fact, those with higher levels of linoleic acid in the bloodstream were actually 7% less likely to develop. In a 2017 studies, researchers determined that linoleic acid did not have a significant effect on the blood concentration of inflammatory markers. And then another study, a 2015 study, suggested that linoleic acid does not promote inflammation. Yet another study in 2021 in the American Heart Association's journal Cardiology found that linoleic and arachidonic acid were associated with a lower risk of cardiovascular disease and that linoleic... <laughs> Acid could play a role in the prevention of disease. And then recently in 2022, there was a study that found that linoleic acid could be associated with better physical function in, in the elderly, specifically in adults who are over 70. And honestly, there are a bunch of studies here yeah. that we could we could keep rattling them off. I think the important
0: takeaway is these data that you're summarizing are all consistent with the general consensus that this Mediterranean diet profile, and I wanna, I don't know, caveat that because we got a lot of flack for like being Eurocentric, but in the medical literature, the Mediterranean diet is a diet that is high in lean proteins, plant-based oils, which are unsaturated fats, fiber, and it's diverse and heavy on plants and fruits. And so, you know, these are all, more data to support that, that this this profile, you know, less saturated fats, more unsaturated fats, improve longevity and improve health. And I think maybe it's a good time to mention here, so a lot of times this gets conflated because when we look at ultra-processed foods, and, and Jess and myself, like, we're always proponents of ed- everything in moderation. Like, I eat ritz bits with cheese and smart food popcorn, and I love my snacks, and nobody's going to pry those from my cold, dead hands, Um, (laughs) but in modern society, to produce a lot of these ultra-processed foods, and that's even, you know, fried foods that you might get at the diner or whatever the case happens to be. It's easiest and it's most cost effective to fry those products in vegetable oils compared to animal fats. So, decades ago, French fries were actually fried in lard, which is animal fat. It's a solid at room temperature. And so, in order to kind of keep those fryers circulating, you always had to keep things at temperature. And that's you know, not sustainable. And then, of course, you have a move towards less animal product usage and so on and so forth. So there was a shift to using vegetable oils, canola oils, and so on and so forth. So people forget that when studies come out that are often claiming that seed oils are unhealthy, they're not dissecting out the confounding variables. What is the dietary profile when you're looking at what someone's consuming? Are they looking at household consumption of cooking vegetable oils or seed oils, or are they looking at total consumption of ultra processed foods that also contain those seed oils?
1: Exactly. And I think Andrea, before we started, I used the phrase, you know, they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater because, you know, of course we know, you know, should you be eating things like French fries and onion rings and cookies and all, you know, candies, you know, multiple times every single day, you know, no, that's that's obviously not recommended. And so, you know, the foods that contain or you know that are cooked with seed oils are a lot of times, you know, they are these foods that we're talking about. Again, fries, onion rings, and so on. And so while we know that eating a lot of these foods is not good and, you know, is is going to increase things like, you know, cholesterol and that, they're blaming it on the seed oils, but it's confounded by the fact that we're, you know, the foods that are high or that are cooked in seed oils are tip you know, they, they can be things like uh, french fries and onion rings. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sort of falling over my words here because I, like you, Andrea, you know, I do, I will occasionally eat fast food. You know, I'm a mom. Sometimes I'm going through the drive-thru because I don't have the time and whatever. And we're not saying to eat it every single day, um, but we're also acknowledging that Yes, you know, eating a ton of it is is not recommended. So maybe we should talk about, you know,
0: there's a review out there that is written by this gentleman, James DeNickel Antonio, and he is very prolific on social media and he villainizes a lot of things and he makes very um, black and white statements about diet. And and so he wrote a review with with another gentleman. They both have very obvious um, conflicts of interest. Um, they have they they operate uh, supplement companies. They sell books that, you know, claim that, you know, th- other things are at the root cause of, you know, health issues. And one owns a nutraceutical company. Anyway, this review claims that or, you know, it's trying to make a claim that these linoleic acids um, and omega sixes are are the reason for cardiovascular disease and things like that. And, you know, just from a very cursory skim of it, they don't account for all of these confounders, right? They're making statements about high levels of these fatty acids among patients with atherosclerosis Sclerosis. They're making claims about the mechanisms of that um, when they're not actually dissecting out. Well, you know, is this person consuming? excessive calories? Are they consuming a diet that is mostly fats and low in fiber, which we know fiber improves LDL levels and all of those sorts of things can, that can be protective against atherosclerosis? And so it's it's definitely a cherry-picked review, but it comes up often when people are demonizing seed oils because it really pushes that claim that, that is not evidence-based.
1: And I love that you call him a gentleman. Um, but yes, this gentleman, James, uh, what's his last name? Oh my God, Nicholas Antonio, Antonio. He is a Form D. Um, but as Andrea said, you know, he does have some competing or conflicts of interests, um, including the things that that Andrea mentioned. But his, you know, he's putting out really scary claims. You know, I, when I when I did a search, it was like stops eating seed oils immediately. You know, there was a lot of fear mongering. He has, let's see here, he has golden rules for healthy living no sugar, no fast food, no cereals, and especially no seed oil. So, as you said, very black and white, ignores the nuance. Yeah. So, but we just, we had to mention him because for sure he's going to come up. It comes up, yeah. So, you know, very
0: broadly, you know, to kind of summarize the inflammation context, if you look at certain molecules in isolation at high doses in vitro or in animal studies, you can certainly find inflammatory markers. But when you look at real world evidence of, you know, seed oils and their relationship between health, there's no evidence to support that you need to be avoiding them, that they're leading to any sort of chronic inflammation that they're causing or linked to any sorts of these uh, chronic uh, diseases such as atherosclerosis or cardiovascular disease. Um, And in some instances they may actually be beneficial because they are essential for cellular survival.
1: (laughs) So we talked about inflammation and now I think we have to talk about the extraction process because that's a lot of the focus is on, you know, the way that they're extracted uh, leads to harmful by- uh, byproducts, yes. and so they point to the extraction process of heating seeds at high temperatures to extract oils, and that um, they, I think what's the one I hear a lot about is hexane in, in in particular. Manufacturers use heat and solvents such as hexane to extract the oil from seeds, and that this you know supposedly introduces chemical additives and unstable molecules, which can then turn the polyunsaturated fats into harmful trans fats. So, Andrea, do you want to talk a little? bit about this?
0: Yeah, sure. So so I think this really gets into the topic of refined versus unrefined oils and, and the refining process is similarly an extraction process. So refined oils are oils and this can be any type of oil, not just seed oils. It also can apply to organic oils. It's literally just an extraction process. So refined oils are pressed and extracted like unrefined oils, but after the initial pressing, that's the physical crushing of whatever you're extracting oil from, because you have to squeeze it, they, Undergo additional processing, and that is usually involving chemical solvents to further extract or neutralize fatty acids or remove particulate matter, or uh, occasionally also mix uh, with heating. So, refined oils are further processed using heat. solvents. um, Whereas unrefined oils, these are typically going to be using mechanical processes only. And so unrefined oils will be things like cold pressed or expeller pressed oils. So cold pressed, basically you're you're typically only grinding or milling the substance. So in this case, the seeds. Um, Then you're using something called bladder pressing to extract the oil and then expeller pressing to actually press the oil from the, the grind. This is the least efficient and most expensive, but of course it doesn't require high temperature to extract. Expeller pressing basically produces oil by physically squeezing the source. They use these machines that kind of screw to further, you know, use friction, so that it does generate a little bit of heat and pressure um, to produce the oil. The friction again can warm up the oil a little bit. Um, this is often viewed as our artisan method of producing oils. And then the last, which would be our refining processes. these are solvent and heat extractions. So typically you're using a chemical like hexane, which allows you to further extract the oil from a source. So um, any solution is going to involve a solvent, which helps dissolve a substance. In this case, it says hexane because you need to have chemicals of similar likeness. So you can't really use water as a solvent when you're dealing with a fat. If you think about mixing vinegar and oil, they separate. So we have to use something that is a similar molecule. So hexane does the job there. And then we typically will often use filtration and other sorts of um, chemical filtration to actually neutralize fatty acids, remove particulate matters, and also wash the oil. So this actually extends the the shelf life further and removes impurities. So it's great for a lot of these commercial oils or oils that you might be using in bulk as well.
1: And Andrea, just to, just to, to focus on hexane, since that's where so much of the, um, you know, that what, what the argument focuses on, we're not saying that hexane is, is a good thing, right? <laughs> you know, it, it certainly can pose a risk to the environment and to people, you know, when inhaled and actually most of our hexane exposure is from gasoline fumes. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, so, so any
0: sort of chemical reaction, you're using a solvent in order to distill a substance. And so in this case, we're using hexane, but hexane is not present in the seed oil that you actually get. You're you're using this to extract the oil more efficiently out of the seeds, so you improve your yield and you also reduce impurities at high levels, certainly hexane can be harmful, you know, and you definitely don't want to inhale fumes of that. But when you actually have a seed oil in its final form, it doesn't have hexane, you know, trace levels at best.
1: Exactly. Um, I was going to say residual levels. And of course, the dose makes the poison. And so they're taking little bits of truth. So yes, you know, hexane is not something that you want to be consuming or inhaling, but it's either not present in seed oils or it's present in such minute levels that it's, not impacting our health in the way that people claim.
0: Yeah, and then another thing kind of related to the refining process is they talk about heating the substance in order to extract the oil, so heating can further catalyze a reaction. And yes, at very, very high heat, some of these seed oils can, uh, some of the molecules can oxidize, which this process can lead to potentially harmful byproducts. But again, when we're processing these oils or we're refining them, extracting them, you're not heating them to the degree that this would happen or at the level that you would be generating any of these byproducts in a way that would be harmful to human health. Again, remember the dose makes the poison and we're taking this little nugget of truth and we're, you know, using hyperbole to kind of scare people away from using these, these oils. Right.
1: But, but just a little bit more on that. So we do know that some oils can handle higher cooking temperatures, right? And those are things like safflower, sesame, olive, and avocado oil. And, you know, Andrea, we we were speaking briefly about this before we started recording that, uh, there is a recommendation that if folks are concerned about this, it's a good rule of thumb to not reuse cooking oil. You know, a lot of times people will cook and then they'll pour the Excess oil into a jar and then reuse it. And so, you know, if, if you're concerned, don't do that. Just use oil once and then discard of it. But I think you were saying that that's, you know, that yes, that's sort of cautious. It might be overly cautious.
0: Yeah, be- because typically your your home kitchen is never going to be able to really superheat anything to the degree that you would be generating a lot of these potentially harmful byproducts. Certainly at the level that it would, you know. Pose a harm in a commercial kitchen, you might have equipment that, that could do that. So, you know, that's why there are regulations for, um, you know, how they reuse oil in a commercial kitchen. So, you know, the other claim with regard to the processing of oils is that, you know, you have all this free radicals that are being produced. And I think we already talked about free radicals that, you know, they happen all the time in our body spontaneously. You know, you're not going to be like consuming free radicals from refined oils and things like that. And it's certainly not causing, you know, inflammation and brain fog and leaky gut, which we already, you know, debunked on a previous podcast episode as well. And I think it's also important to remember that anything, any type of oil can be a refined oil. It's this term solely applies to how the oil is extracted from the substance. So please steer clear of people who are just making these broad claims without any context.
1: I love the videos, Andrea. We always talk about, I fr- forget his name. I think it's Tyler or something where he goes around, he's in grocery stores and he just speaks <laughs> with such authority. He's just reading the backs of labels. oh, you know, seed oil, you know, and he does this with so many different ingredients and it's like, come on on buddy. (laughs) All right. What else did we want to talk about here? The, the omega-6 levels. I think that's Uh, the last thing. It's the ratio, right? People are talking about the ratio. Yeah. So
0: people, because, because seed oils, particularly, you know, these types, the, what is it? The hateful eight, you know, of high ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acids, you know, the claims are that it's, it's throwing our bodies off. The ratios are off. It's causing chronic illness. And, you know. Oh there's no way that we're going to compensate from that with other things in our diet. So again, all oils, all fats have different ratios of saturated fats, monounsaturated fats, and these polyunsaturated fats, such as omega-6s and omega-3s. And so these critics have have villainized omega-6s, particularly out of the polyunsaturated fatty acids. But again, both of them are critical, omega-3s and omega-6s. Omega-3 is often found in your, your salmon, your fishes, also some tree nuts, but all of these fatty acids are essential for human health. So both are important and, you know, yes, there are different ratios that have been implicated in being ideal balance. If you're getting more omega-6s from one source, you're likely getting more omega-3s from another source. And there's really no evidence that Seed oils are leading to throwing off your balance of omega fatty acids. So omega-6s are the dominant type in seed oils. There are omega-3s in seed oils as well, but there's no evidence to suggest that you need to cut out seed oils from your diet to, you know, rebalance your omega-6, omega-3 ratio, and actually the data demonstrate, as I think we've discussed, that, you know, these types of foods that are profiled in this Mediterranean diet can actually help to reduce bad LDL cholesterol levels, um, help normalize blood sugar levels and also reduce heart disease.
1: And I just want to reiterate, you know, this confounding of ideas or conflating of ideas that often, you know, we know seed oils often appear in less nutritious foods. Again, french fries, onion rings, cookies, candies. And because of that, they get labeled as unhealthy, even though the seed oils themselves are not to blame, right? And these foods also contain other things like lard and butter, which are not seed oils that could also be... Be contributing to poor outcomes. Right.
0: <laughs> or just a diet that is not nutrient-dense and you're eating excessive numbers of calories that we know, you know, especially... The empty calories. I don't love that phrase, but again, it's a low fiber, high fat diet, very similar to the carnivore diet, which doesn't have a ton of nutrients. It's not the seed oils.
1: And this demonization of you know a particular you know item or product or whatever it is. This is happening. You know, this is sort of the toxin du jour, right? But they yes. do that. They you know they do this with so many things, and there are some real consequences to this, right? You know, certainly whenever we're talking about completely restricting, you know, things from your diet that, you know, we, we could talk about disordered eating, um, this rejection of science, these little nuggets of truth that we spoke about, like about hexane and other things, you know, they take these nuggets and they blow them out of proportion and you need the context. You need the clinical evidence, the human evidence, you know, you need that. And when you look at those, um, you know, those studies, they need to be properly controlling for these confounders. And the ones that are being used to to demonize and vilify seed oils do not properly do that. So I know, Andrea, you and I are not cutting out seed oils from our diet altogether. We practice everything in moderation. We're not going to, you know, um, uh, punish ourselves if every now and then we're enjoying french fries or fast food. We're not saying that you should do it all the time. But this idea, you know, this obsession over... Over every single thing that we're consuming killing us. I'm sorry, but you know that that's that's very problematic.
0: <laughs> and also it's not based on any science, right? You know, these these nuggets of truth are not immediately relevant, right? Like hexane at a certain dose is not good for you, but hexane is not present in these substances. And so people, you know, either intentionally or not, they they misinterpret and they propagate this misinformation that the general public seizes upon and they get scared, right? People want to do what's best for their health. And these types of messages, not only are they inaccurate, but they're just doing a disservice to society on the whole. It's leading to an overall rejection of science and it's also promoting disorders eating and all sorts of other things, you know, and and obviously, you know, seed oils are just you know, the topic of the day. You know, last month it was gluten. I'm sure something else will come up again soon.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't need to necessarily throw out all your, se- <laughs> your, your seed oils is, is what we're saying. You don't need to completely panic. Um, we are not panicked. And we did our due diligence and look through tons of studies that we will share to our show notes. With that, Andrea, do you want to take us home? So the TLDR
0: here is seed oils are not unhealthy. They're not scary. Refined oils are not bad and they're not causing inflammation. So thanks for tuning in. We hoped you learned a thing or two. If you want to continue to support our efforts, please check out our Substack. It's $5 a month. It grants you access to our Substack, which we don't post a ton on there, but it does give you access to our private Facebook group and our monthly Q&As. Check it out at theunbiasedsipod.substack.com. In the meantime, please make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. So thanks for tuning in today. We hoped you learned a thing or two. To. And as always, we'll see you next week for our next episode. We will continue to provide updates on COVID-19 and all sorts of other science and health topics on our social media accounts. So be sure to follow us there on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Unbiased SciPod. Catch you next time on the pod, your trusted source for no nonsense, just science. Yeah, oh,
1: I am a scientist. Yeah, I am a scientist. i